You're listening to Dr. Leslie Inspires, a show where we empower mothers by raising their level of awareness, discussing tough mother-son issues that everyone knows exists, but no one is talking about. Dr. Leslie is joined by Mr. Wayne, who provides insight from a male perspective. To learn more about us, visit our website at www.drlesleyinspires.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Leslie. Dr. Leslie Inspires is an organization that was birthed through me working in the school system and seeing different uh, situations happening between mothers and their sons. And over the last, I would say, uh, the past three years, it has gotten worse and my heartstrings have just been pulled because most of the time I feel that many of the young men would have turned out a lot better or would have a fighting chance if their mother was a little more educated in terms of what or how her actions impacted her son. And so some women are ready to receive it and some women are not. So our goal is to just say different things, you know, without being judgmental, keep it in a safe platform to where mothers can listen in and try to figure out what they can do better to create a better father, to create a better son, a better brother, a better person in the community. So without further ado, Mr. Hakeem, if you could go ahead and start off by telling us just a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, I'm Hakeem Maurice. I am 25 years old. Um, I was born in Miami, Florida, and I moved here, basically lived here most of my, throughout most of my childhood. Um, let's see. Um, well, how much should I share? Should I share more just about me personally, or? Um, it's up to you. We're going to ask you questions, and you can go okay. from there. Um, I know you're I've, in school. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in school. I am on my way to becoming an anesthesiologist assistant, which is basically the person that puts people to sleep before surgeries, does pre-op and post-op care for patients. Um, my work history leading up to that, I've been a teacher at Sala Foundation for about four years. I've taught math and science to the students there. I was also a tutor at Georgia State for two years tutoring calculus, um, world history, and I believe um, Calc 2. And I've been a lifeguard since I was 17. And that's pretty much all my work history, more or less. Um, Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, kind of give us a little bit about you. Perfect. So, as you heard in the introduction earlier, we talk about mother transforming mother-son relationships. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us what, how, how many brothers, how many sisters do you have? What does your family makeup look like? Okay, I have two sisters. Um, my older sister is thirty-two. And my little sister is six. So, yeah, my little sister was born when I was 18. So 
I was really, I didn't really have a younger sibling during my formative years. And when we moved back to Georgia when I, when I was in fifth grade, so about 2005, my older sister stayed in Florida. So from 2005 onwards, I was basically raised as an only child. Wow. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with your mom? Um, it's very close, um, very positive. She's actually the one that inspired me to get into medicine. And she's a huge inspiration to me because um, a lot of the times I remember her, like she would be studying for school while also working for full time as a nurse in medicine, which is insane when you really think about the kind of workload she would have. And she basically moved here from Jamaica as an immigrant and worked her way up to basically be uh, the head nurse of an OR. And she basically does administrative work as a nurse, teaching other people. And because of that, she inspires me to be great in a sense. Okay. So, excuse me. <coughs> what um, would you say are some of the strengths that your mom put into you? What are some of the things mm. she did to make you who you are? She definitely taught me patience um, and compassion and being understanding of others to look at different situations from another person's perspective because you never want to be too egocentric with a lot of those things. She taught me not to be quick to anger. And that is a huge thing I realized that a lot of people have problems with. It's like they're very quick to anger and they let their anger control them. So I do my best to not let that control me. And just being a loving parent and loving with others and even when things are tough, you still try to do your best to make sure the people you care about are comfortable. Okay. So if you would <coughs> say uh, in terms of, so you were kind of raised like an only child, mm -hmm. only boy, you were very close to your mom. Mm -hmm. um, what was your, who were your male role models? Who did you look to for male to, to emulate as the male in your life? Um, to be honest, I didn't really have any good male role models. Because um, I didn't know my real dad because him and my mom split when I was still like a baby. And then my stepdad was pretty abusive to me. So I never tried to emulate him. I've actually tried to be the opposite of him. So I guess you could say the way he raised me taught me what not to be as a guy. So I never really knew what to be as a man, just what not to be. Mm -hmm. And so many men are in that same position. So when you said abusive, in what ways was he abusive? Physically, mm -hmm. emotionally, verbally? Yeah, physically, emotionally, verbally. Like, um... It affected me pretty bad because it wasn't just like him. It was actually him and his whole side of the family. Like um, they all have like a weird narcissism kind of thing about them. 
-hmm. where like um if someone is better than them instead of trying to elevate them they'll try to bring them down and then um and the whole family did that well on his side yeah so like all through my childhood they'll call me a nerd you know um gay but in a more vulgar way things of that nature and um since i was so used to it because i grew up that way i just kind of accepted it as jokes but i realized it really wasn't you know funny to joke about me as a kid you know trying to learn myself in middle school and calling me gay all the time so it was rough as i became more understanding of the traumas i was went through as a kid but going to therapy and talking about that stuff helped me out okay how long did you go to therapy I would say about consistently a year, give or take. Yeah, I did it through Georgia State. And um, the therapist said I had a quick turnaround, quicker than most. So I didn't stay in as long as I could have. But, I mean, it helped me out a lot. Yeah. How long was your mom married to your stepdad? Hmm. about 15 years because so i think they got married in 2003 and they got divorced a little bit after i moved out okay and so how did that how did your relationship with him impact your relationship with your mom um well it made her sad because like um Back in my younger days, me and him used to fight. And like, um, he was the kind of person where he would get jealous of the relationship me and my mom had. So he would try to get me in trouble. So she would be upset with me. And I used to like, me and him used to fist fight a lot, but I stopped because one day my mom came crying to me. and was like, you know, when you guys do that, it kills me inside. So can you just stop it? So, so she could control him so she would come to you really to see if you could just walk away. Yeah, because like, um, he was the kind of guy where if she tried to defend me, he would get defensive and be like, Why are you defending him? He's the one that's being disrespectful, he's the one that's doing this, that, and the third. So, she really didn't have a leg to stand on. So, I just learned to shut up and take it, I guess. <laughs> mm -hmm. How do you think that shut up and take it attitude or mentality affected or impacted you in other relationships? Oof. Well, because of that now, I, I've realized this, but I tend to let people walk over me because I feel either I'm um, being too emotional, being too dramatic, or I deserved it. Or I um, let people get away with things they shouldn't because, like, I have a really bad sense of boundaries. And there's been times where I'll be um, kind of hard-stopping on some things, but the things I should actually also have boundaries for, I don't have boundaries for because I think it's not really a big deal, so maybe I shouldn't make a big deal about it. And, Yeah. Mm hmm. Wow. So 
how has that affected you or impacted you in relationships with other females? Um, I had to learn to set boundaries and actually enforce them and not just let bygones be bygones. Because me as a person, I'm also very forgiving. But I learned being very forgiving and also not setting boundaries can lead to troubles way further down the line. So I've been better about that. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that your, um, do you ever get angry at your mom for allowing the relationship to happen? Mm. No. Because I mean, I mean, I can be honest, I wasn't like the purest kid back then. I was pretty bad myself. But I was going through my own stuff because, I mean, even though I wasn't diagnosed, I'm sure I was going through depression from way back then. Because I know I was suicidal from a young age. And dealing with that, plus the hormones of being a teenager, it kind of adds tension to the house. And it was a whole thing there. But... I don't blame her for it because there's nothing she really could do because it's kind of hard to, like I can see from her perspective, it will be hard for her to choose between her child or the person she loves. And that's a decision I think she shouldn't have been made to make. That's pretty big. So were you happy for her when they got a divorce? Mm. Did it sleep? It was it was a mixed situation because for the divorce I was kind of the catalyst that sparked that all off. Like more or less, when I moved out, I was able to wash my clothes at the house, and one day I came over and I didn't tell him prior that I was coming over, so he kicked me out. And then when my mom came, she said, "Go ahead and wash your clothes," and he tried to kick me out again turned to a big fight and then she left and then he threw it in my face saying it's my fault that she left him but from talking with my mom I found out that it's been a whole thing that's been going on for about like a year now where he was kind of like blowing her off and then the situation with me is what kind of set her off the edge and just let her move on and I mean it sucked because it sucks seeing my mom get hurt and seeing that side of me kind of split off, but I felt no kind of way because at that point in time, I was pretty, well, that point in time and now, I'm pretty apathetic towards him, where it's like, I don't love him, but I don't hate him. I just acknowledge him as a person, more or less. Is he still around? Well, yeah, because he's a father of my little sister. Oh. Yeah, so he still comes around. And I mean, we could talk. Like, I tell him about my life. I tell him about you know, different things I invest in, things he should probably get into, but he's more like a, I see him as like an old family friend, not really like a, as a father. Yeah. Like a he, doesn't he, impact, he doesn't seem to impact you like he did before. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And I could tell he's feeling it because um, he's been yearning for that relationship, but I just don't really care for it. You don't want any parts of it. Mm-mm. So then... Where Where is your biological father in this makeup? Somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> is he alive? Is he around? 
I think he's alive. He might be somewhere in America, or he might be in the Caribbean. I don't know. Okay, and you don't care? Yeah. No. There's been times where my sister has tried to, like, um, show me stuff, like, oh, look, here goes your dad, and he has a new wife now. I'm like, okay. But, because, like, to me, he means nothing to me. Like, I don't know him. Yeah, He's sometimes not... people don't understand that when, when you haven't had that person. And then maybe even if he came into your life uh, at some point later, it's, it's just not the same. You it's like, okay, it's, it's another person. But surprisingly, yeah. your stepfather who was there for 15 years, you, you have a relationship with him, but somehow you've learned how to set a boundary in your mind. It's an invisible boundary, but now you know how to take him and he knows how to take you. Yeah. So how's your mom when she when you all are around, are you intentional about staying away or does he seem to come around during family gatherings? Um, he doesn't come around for family gatherings. I mean, my mom's cordial and cool about it. Like if he wants to come around, she invites him, but he doesn't really. And um, when he does come, it's usually to pick up Aria or to um, drop her off. Maybe they might talk about stuff like financially dealing with Aria, things like that. But if he comes, I usually just stay away and kind of avoid him more or less. Like I'll talk to him if I feel like it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how would you say your mother has raised you to be a man? You well, know, heard some of the good stuff, but how has she made you to be a man? Hmm. Well, she's taught me a good bit of things, like um, how to show someone that you care about them. So I guess you could say I know how to be a man more or less from the emotional aspect mm -hmm. instead of like the masculine aspect, more or less. So like um, I know how to show someone I care about them. I know how to, um, you know, uh, engage in conversation, like be really show my interest in the conversation. And that's something that my mom did with me all the time that I took for granted. Like um, whenever I come home from school, every day my mom would ask me, what did you learn in school today? And it would be like a good 30 minute to an hour conversation of just me telling her everything I learned at school. And it was just normal to me. And I didn't realize that not a lot of people got it until my cousin said, I'm so jealous that your mom actually cares about your education and just doesn't yell at you when your grades are bad, but doesn't really, like his mom, she would yell at him if he was failing, but to actually engage, be engaged in his education, she wasn't really about it. So he said he was very envious that my mom engaged me and also cared about my grades too. So she actually cared, didn't fake care. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, go ahead. Well, I was gonna ask from, the standpoint of uh, being a man, I know you said earlier that you learned what not to be or what not mm -hmm. to do. So based on the behavior of your stepfather, what have you learned not to do? Like what are some of the things that like crunch you at your core um, okay. you will absolutely not do um, or be? 
Yes. Um, I wouldn't be self-centered when it came to relationships with anyone, like family, friends, or children. I wouldn't use children as a weapon. Like, um, he would do that with me a good bit, like saying, you're only doing this because it's for Akeem and blah, 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 blah. Um, not be selfish. Because um, he had a huge issue being selfish with me, especially in school. Like for a lot of my exams and sporting stuff, he never paid for it, it'll be my mom. Um, not playing favorites. Because I could probably remember three times he got me gifts for Christmas. But for his actual biological daughter, my stepsister, Riva, he's gotten her like gifts almost every Christmas. And I got jealous about that, but I kind of let it go because my mom would get me gifts. Um, not to be temperamental and take my frustrations of like outside of the home situations on the, out on the kids or family. Um, not leaving messes and expecting people to clean it up. He had a huge issue with that. Like, he would just leave his bowls on the counter since he left first. And if he came back home and they were still there, he would get mad at me because it was my job to clean up after him. Um, what else? Not fighting my kids. <laughs> um, not being controlling or, like, not trying to take away things just because they like it. He had a huge issue with that. Like whenever he saw me doing something that I liked, he would do whatever he could to get me in trouble so he could take it away. Like um, he did that with game systems, toys I might have, things like that. Um, not be controlling and think anything that goes against what you say is disrespect. Cause I mean, kids more or less, you're raising them to be adults. And the way he raised me was basically to be subservient, which is good as a kid, but when that child becomes an adult, he doesn't really know how to be an adult. So you're basically just raising a kid to be a kid in the adult world, and that's never good. So I guess you could say that's one thing he taught me, to raise my kids as adults and to treat children as adults because you're really training them to be adults. And once they're gone, you can't expect them to automatically know everything because they're moved out. Because there's a lot I've had to learn after moving out. And it's been tough, but I learned it. <laughs> yeah. So would you say that he, um... oh, I forgot the question I was gonna ask you, but, <laughs> So in terms of being a man, you, you don't resent him at all anymore? Not anymore. I got tired of holding on to the hate. Because, I mean, he just eats away at you. And while you're busy hating this person, they're probably not even thinking about you. It's just wasted effort. So I just let it go. Kim, I've got a question for you. So given the situation with your biological father and your stepfather, there's mm -hmm. a man that you look to as like mentors or that you look to emulate as you were going into your adult life or have you not yet found them and you're still just letting that come to you? I mean, one thing I've definitely realized about myself is that um, because I was lacking in that regard, 
I tend to latch on to any male figure that I think is positive. So I've definitely used you at a point. I've used um, uh, Candace's father and a couple other male figures like my boss from lifeguarding. And I have actually a group of friends that I talk with on this app called Discord that we actually connected with because of sneakers, funny enough. And a lot of those guys are older, like 30 or plus. So I use them as mentors too. Like I'll talk with them about like proper financial things to do in these trying times with investing in stocks. Um, ask them about life advice, what to expect. Once I finally start my career, what's the best thing I should do to, you know, get my first steps into adulthood, things of that nature. Um, and I know that's kind of like a, it's like a double-edged sword because it's good for me because I get to learn manliness from many different people, but then I would tend to put people in that role even though they didn't need it. Well, they didn't want it. So it kind of puts pressure on them in a sense, more or less. So Hakeem, having said that, um, I, and, and of course you would know this, but a lot of young men have challenges with receiving authority from mm -hmm. So even though you looked to men, uh, you, you were looking uh, for a role model, do you think that you really, really wanted it? You wanted it in some aspects, but do you think maybe in some other aspects because you still see them as a man, you weren't necessarily able or willing as much as you thought internally or even subconsciously able to submit or get all of the information that they were trying or are trying to give you. Can you really take it from a man having had that negative experience from a man? Yeah, because with me, I've taught myself that even the dumbest person can be wise. And even people like my stepdad, even though relationship we have, there's been a lot of things he's taught me that has been good for me. So I'm always ready to take advice as given. And I've had to learn that advice and criticism is never a personal attack. Because at the end of the day, the person that's telling you this isn't doing it to hurt you. It's because they want to see you be a better you, more or less. So I want, since I've taught myself to think like that about all kinds of different criticisms, I take everything more positively. And I might not agree with everything that some people say, so I might pick and choose specifics, but I never take anything negatively. I never get temperamental from either gender, men or women. Okay, we have a comment here. Someone said that, um, praise God for your resiliency. They commend you for getting counseling to help you grow past the hurts of your childhood. And then we wanna encourage anyone at this point to ask any questions that you have. Oh, Miss Lahoma, she's asking, what are some things that you weren't taught that you've had to learn on your own that you wished your parents had taught you? Oof, paying taxes, <laughs> um, budgeting, <laughs> 
uh, actually like, well, no, my mom taught me how to shop and I know how to cook. Um, oh, how quickly things can get dirty. Like, it's crazy because me growing up, since I've always had people more or less helping cleaning, you never really realize how quick things get dirty once you're living on your own. And when I moved out, I was living in a house with like four other guys. So yeah. we get dirty pretty quickly. <laughs> um, yes. And the big one would be money management. That's one thing I had to learn myself, especially with investing. And I'm actually teaching myself how to do that now. And I'm actually having to be the one to teach my parents about that stuff. So there's a lot of big ones like that. Um, being more handy around the house. Like I know I have some handyman skills, but things like plumbing or doing things with electricity, I wish I could have known or had a better handle of. So I teach myself that through YouTube. That's like the best resource ever. Mm -hmm. And not to be a procrastinator. Cause I don't think my life would, like even now I get it. Like people always tell me I'm so smart, I'm so smart. So intrinsically with me, I have a hard time putting forth the hard work that I should because more or less things just work out for me. So I don't have, I have a good work ethic, but it could be better. And I have an issue with procrastinating. So if I was taught better work ethic as a kid, I think I'll be way better off than now. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty good. I think a lot of um, men and women alike would, would say that. How do you think um, that could have actually come about? Is that sit down because your mom, you said you would see her doing homework. Mm -hmm. I mean, how would you have, how do you see, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. How do you see you could have gotten a better, uh, you could have been better not procrastinating as much? <laughs> <laughs> um, the big one is, well, I do this with my little sister now too, because she's smart. She's a smart kid. But I don't tell her she's smart because I realized how it made me basically be lazy. Because I, I guess I have an inflated self of confidence in my intellect. So what I tell her and my niece, Melissa, is that I'm proud of their hard work. And I love how hard they've been working to get to where they are. So I put more emphasis on their process, not their outcomes. So because of that, they focus more on the process. And like, I would watch my mom study a lot. So I guess I understood studying was a thing you should do, but I never really saw the extent of her studying, you could say. Because mm -hmm. um, most of the time when she was study, she was like studying her room, or she would be like, she would basically study in private. So because I wasn't around to see like all the days she actually put forth the work in studying, it didn't really click in my mind that, oh, studying is actually a second job more or less. It's not just playing games and then looking at the clock like, oh, it's 12 o'clock. Well, I guess I should study for this test tomorrow. So, yeah. And that actually brings me to the question of critical thinking skills. Mm -hmm. So you 
or smart uh, in the books, but there were some things at home that you didn't have to do or make decisions about. So how do you think that impacted your critical thinking skills as an adult? Well, um, critical thinking I definitely got at home because at home I was kind of involved in all the chores more or less. So like um, there was one time where I had to, where we built a shed and a greenhouse and I was involved in both of those processes. I think when I built the shed, I built that by myself actually. Um, a lot of the car work and yard work was me and my father or just me. Um, so like, I guess a lot of the manly aspects in those sense, like the chore work I've been doing for a while. And a lot of the times I had to like think my way through a lot of those things, like um, how to maybe build up this shed if I only had a drill and I actually needed some stakes to hold the shed down. And, you know, just thinking around my problems with that. And then with my stepdad, he was also in IT. So he taught me how to fix computers. So I had to use critical thinking skills for helping people fix their computers more or less. So, so that's building things. What about critical thinking skills and just in terms of life decisions, life skills? Um, like, could you give me an example? Mm-hmm. Uh, living on your own, uh, living with others, um, when you had to transition from living at home and then uh, house, then you had to start really thinking, you know, about doing things on your own. That that goes from, which is why it's always good for kids to go away to school, in my opinion, because uh, there are things at home that you're just not going to get. And it's easier to get it, you know, to loosen up the reins just a little bit while they can still learn and get the help. So when you moved out of the house after dealing with your, you know, stepfather and um, the living arrangements that were there with the abuse and everything, and then you had to transfer some skills, some life skills to the house with the four guys, what came out of you that was from home and transfer those critical thinking skills or life skills into the house to live with those, to be able to comfortably live with yeah. those. Um, well, since I was raised as an only child, I had to learn to be self-sufficient in myself. And I didn't really feel the need to depend on others heavily. So a lot of the times, like, um, I was just interested in myself, like watching movies by myself, playing games by myself. And I would also, handle chores as a very like social but also private in a way so for dishes i would buy my own dishes and i'd only wash my dishes so then if other people left their dishes in the sink i'd be like well that's not mine because mine are in my room <laughs> I, um, <that's> all over. <laughs> I mean they were upset about it at first but they're like dang we really need to start cleaning more and i was like yeah you guys do um i would also cook for the house because I was taught to cook. So that was like fun for me. I loved cooking and I still do. So it was always nice to like show people the kind of crazy things I could cook. I also learned how to be more understanding of people and understanding their emotions. Cause 
with the abuse I went through with my stepdad, I learned how to deal with people when they're not in the right headspace. Mm. Like either being very blaming or saying like, you're wrong because blah, 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 blah. So learning those kind of skills definitely helped me, especially with living with four other guys, because when you're living with four other guys, they have a tendency of always saying, well, it's not my fault because this, and it's, well, you should have did this instead. And like, no one can ever take the blame on themselves. So from that, I've learned how to navigate dealing with all the different kinds of people and all their perspectives and getting everything kind of be one-on, well, not one-on-one, but cohesive. And actually, I actually ended up being the uh, head of the household, more or less because of that. Like I was the bill manager. I was the one that would search for new houses if we wanted to move. Um, I would be the one to take people to go grocery shopping, things like that. Okay. <laughs> Anybody, if you want to ask questions, please jump in at any time. Okay. So I saw okay. one. Yes. No, go ahead. You said you saw one? Yeah, I saw one. I said, have I ever tried to reconnect with my biological father? Mm-hmm. Uh, no. When I was back in high school, my uncle, I guess my biological, yeah, my biological father's brother contacted me. But I was just like, who the heck is this? And he was like, oh, I'm Paul, Maurice's brother. I just want to know if you're his son. And I was just like, oh, well, I didn't I tell him that. I just said, oh, and I deleted the chat. And that was the first and last time I've ever had contact with that side of the family. And I haven't really cared for it either way. Why do you think that is? Um, because I don't really hold him accountable, I guess, because he was never involved in my life. So it's like, I don't feel like he should reap the rewards of seeing how good I came out because it wasn't really him. It was my mom and my stepdad, more or less. And... I'm not the kind of person that really cares about familial ties all that much. Cause I mean, I care. Well, let me, let me rephrase that. I care enough to definitely maintain them. And I love my family when they show me love. But if the family's toxic, like with my biological father, what I do know about him is that he's alcoholic and he was abusive. Like he used to beat my mom. So I'm just like, why would I care to reconnect with him? Because that's going to do nothing good for me. If anything, it would just be me kind of bragging about how good I came out, which isn't really positive. Okay, I understand that. Let me run a scenario by you. Let's say you're married and you end up having a child, a son. Mm -hmm. They come to you one day and say they would like to know who their biological grandfather is. How would you answer that? Hmm. How old would they be? Pick an age, doesn't matter. Okay, so if they're old enough to really understand it, then I'll explain the full situation to them. And if they still wanted to meet them, then I'll do it for them because I mean, it's important to them. It might not be important to me, but it's important to them. So I'll, I'll make the steps to do it. Okay, well, I applaud. You said a whole lot here, Akeem, and I really appreciate some of the things you mentioned about self-taught, you had to teach yourself certain things. You were mm-hmm. a mixture of being a chameleon, but at the same time, you dealt with 
abandonment, abuse from the stepfather, and the part you said about at what point you thought about being suicide you were suicidal at a young age. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty major right there. Normally it sounds to me like you're you're crying at you were crying out at that time because no one was there to really listen to you or, or understand your anger. And a lot of yeah. the things that we've been talking about uh with the young men is, you know, they they've been angry and how they deal with that anger, whether they, you know, pause and if it's a moment of anger, they can pause and take a deep breath, count to 10 to control it. But in your mm-hmm. case, a situation where it's harnessed anger for a long period of time. And then mm-hmm. the man that was in your life for most of your life, 15 years out of, how old are you, 24, five? 25. Well, I see more than that because they were dating since I was in kindergarten. So I'll say about 19, 20 years. That's most of your life, right? Yeah. So that's, that's 20 out of 25 years of your life. That's, that's pretty major. Mm-hmm. So. So now you're dealing with that, and you're now in a situation where, and a lot of young men are in this situation, so don't feel like you know, that you're going to have to, you're trying to figure out what type of man you want to be. And you figured some of that out already. You have some good things instilled in you on the technical side, the left brain side, who's an IT person, et cetera. Your mom provided that support to you. But at the same time, at the end of the day, when you get out in the world, somebody's going to say, be a man. You know, you're expected to know how to fix a car, know how to change a tire, know how to do yeah. these things that, you, me, or whoever may not have been taught how to do, right? Yeah. So that could be very challenging. That could be challenging mm-hmm. for this young man that, that goes to our manhood. So if we're trying yeah. to identify with ourselves and emulate being a man, who to pattern off of, or being a man, but you haven't been taught those things. Yeah. You, you don't want a woman coming to you and say, you're a man, but you can't, you can't do X, Y, and Z. Go ahead, please. Yeah. I was going to say, it's pretty shocking the amount of people that don't know how to do those things. Yeah. It's like, um, I know how to do a lot of car work and it shocks me when people tell me that they don't know how to like change their brakes or to change a taillight. I'm like, wow, that's like so easy to do. So that's one aspect of my stepdad I definitely appreciate. He always made sure I knew how to do the more hands-on manly things. And even here now, like I currently live with my mom now, mainly to help out because they don't have a man in the household. Most of my family is familial, so I have to be the one that does a lot of the handiwork here. So I'll be like fixing doors. Um, I fixed the washing machine like a couple months back. Um, I've helped fix the roof. We had like a septic tank leak. I helped fix that. So I'm still doing more or less the manly role because I'm the only one that can at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would encourage you to again to uh, make sure you still continue to take care of self as well, because mm-hmm. you're, you're dealing with a lot. You're dealing with, you're taking on other roles. You're trying to matriculate into life. And also you're dealing with past scars. Yes. Some of them, you may feel like you've gotten through them. Others, maybe not so much. Even if you do feel like it, things have a way of cropping back up because we can push it down so much and we think it's down, but all you're doing is like a spring. You're just pushing that spring down if you mm-hmm. get the right trigger, it's going to explode. Right? Yeah. And you'll be in a room or trying to figure out why you did that. And it's it's repressed anger. It's what it is. Yeah. So just something to consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Counseling is never a once and done thing. It's it's, it's ongoing. So, yeah. But I'm proud of you, man. You, you're, you're on your way. You're doing 
a lot of good things. You're in college, you're not in jail. What a blessing. Yeah. Have no kids yet. How many do you want? Oof. That's a tough one to really say. <laughs> okay. Maybe one or two. Okay. So um Wayne, he made he made some good points and I was thinking the exact same thing. So Hakeem, there are women on the call mm -hmm. raising a young adult children. Give them some advice to help them help their road to be a little easier. Okay. Um, and I'm sorry, let's look at some of them like they're your mom raising you. Okay. Okay. Definitely show that you care because kids remember a lot. Like, even now I'm 25, I still remember aspects of my childhood from when I was like four or five years old. And my mom is shocked, I still remember. So even at a young age, they remember a lot. So definitely keep that in mind for a lot of the things you do. And a big thing with way, the way the human brain works is that your brain magnifies the bad over the good. So always try to minimize the amount of bad that you might have in your relationship. Um, don't try to control your kids because I mean, you're raising them to be adults. And even though they seem young and you know they don't know a lot about life, they're still little people with their own agency. And as we get older, we tend to forget that. And we view a lot of them lashing out as them being disrespectful or not having manners. When a lot of the times it's really just, they need someone to talk to. Mm. And that's a big one. Cause um, even when I was teaching, like a lot of the kids that would lash out would really just be because they had no one to talk to and they felt like no one cared. And um, teach them everything you can, everything. Don't treat your kids as ignorant because in the end it'll do them more harm than good. The amount of people I've met in college that did not know how to use a dishwasher how to use a washing machine was insane to me because I've been washing clothes since I was like in third grade and for people to be like I don't know how to measure the soap or start the washing machine is just crazy for me to think about and even things that as a mother you typically wouldn't do like mowing the lawn or doing car work um learn it like make it a day to um learn it together with your son so you guys both can learn how to do it because one thing that definitely stuck out to me is that my mom was very independent and she still is a very independent woman and she's quick to fix things herself before depending on others to do it for her so that definitely sticks out to me as something that i look for in a woman now because i realized that when women are very dependent on the male they really don't have a lot of self-agency because if they don't have that male figure then all the things that they think a man should do then they can't do it and i always make it a point to take out my female family members to teach them different car things i do with my car so like they know how to change the oil when i need to change my brakes i'm gonna teach them how to do that so then when they're independent on their own both 
sons, well, kids in general, they don't have to depend on, you know, the mechanics or the washing machine fixers or buying new things instead of just fixing what they already have. Mm -hmm. Okay, good point. Can, can I ask you a question? Yeah. yeah. Um, you has you mentioned or you said that in one of your in your uh, bits of advice was to um, show them that you care. Mm -hmm. So I was just I was curious as to what that looks like for you because um, you have parents that do believe that they're showing that they care, but the child, son or daughter, may not receive that as what they deem as caring. For example, um, just a brief example, you may, as a, as a parent, you may think, oh, I'm going to sit down and watch a movie with my son, but that's not what your son wants to do. But in your, in, in that person's mindset, that's their way of displaying their, their, their uh, means of caring. So mm -hmm. I was just curious as to what does that look like when you, as, as you give that advice, what does that look like? What does it mean when you say show, show the child that you care? Well, it's really tough to say because, you know, showing a child you care is basically a love language and it all depends on how your child is. So like some people care more about physical touch. So showing your child you care, it could just be hugging them every night. Others, it might be gifts, so getting gifts from their parent or someone to care about, show them that you care. For me, I enjoy, you know, being listened to and um, being able to share about my day. I also enjoyed, you know, just hanging out, watching movies, but that's just a me thing. So, like, for your son, he might like to do something more active. He might enjoy going on walks or hikes, maybe going out in the city or something. Um, it's really hard to say, because I've never really been a gift person. So a gift, I mean, it shows that you care, but it doesn't really resonate as much with me as someone that would listen to what I say or to give me hugs. Like, even now, like, the house we joke, well, I joke because I'm the main one that does it, but like, um, because of this whole coronavirus thing, like um, we're practicing social distancing by not hugging and stuff. And I'm like, I'm going crazy, not because I'm at home all day, but it's because I can't hug my mom or my grandma. And that's a big thing for me. So it really just depends on the kind of thing that resonates with your son. Good response. Good question, Talise. Um, There's another question up there Hakeem, can you see mm -hmm. it? Yes. Okay. <sighs> that is a tough one because that could come from many different places. It could be um, not from, like it could, like the root could be, well, me sorry. The symptom could be lack of motivation, but the root could be from many different things. Like it could be anxiety of like, I'm sorry, Kim, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm terribly yeah. sorry. Can we go ahead and read the question because we're recording. I just oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay. So it says, Hakeem, this is from Danita Al-Amin. It says, Hakeem, my 21-year-old son has a problem with motivation. His family has been encouraging, yet he hasn't found a spark yet. Any words for me to help my son? So 
for the lack of motivation, that could be a symptom of a problem that's very deeply rooted in something completely different. Like it could be a mental illness such as anxiety or depression. Anxiety in a sense where he's worried so much about messing up that he finds it easier just to not do anything so then he doesn't have the chance to mess up. Or depression being like he doesn't view himself as worthy enough to succeed so he just kind of accepts where he is currently to not do anything more. Or it could just be a mental block where he feels comfortable and he's like, well, oh, he feels like he's already good where he's at now, so he doesn't really need to step beyond that. And depending on what that problem is could fix the issue in a sense. So my biggest recommendation would be therapy, either like by himself or with you and him. So you guys can work together and get like a good plan going to get him on his right track. Hakeem, you answered that so well that I wanna know, have you dealt with that situation? Have you dealt with motivation to the point where you actually knew what to say? <laughs> I know you <laughs> talked about depression at one point. Yeah. Is motivation ever a problem with your depression? Yes and no. Um, for me, well, I had, well, I still have depression, not as bad as it was before, but at the height of it, I lacked motivation to like really take care of myself. So I wouldn't really clean as much, eat as much. Um, but because I've always been raised that school and grades are important, I always made sure to at least go to class and at least take care of all the schoolwork. So then at the end of the day, I might be terrible in all other aspects, but I'm still being successful in the schoolwork. And even though I might feel like crap now, I can't waste my money because I'm spending all this money for school and I don't want to waste my money on this degree. Wow, that's good. Well, our time is drawing near and mm -hmm. uh, you have done a fantastic job. So at the end, we usually bring in Mr. Wayne to uh, wrap up everything from a male's perspective, but Miss Alamine wanted to say thank you. You're welcome. Your response. <laughs> so uh, Mr. Wayne. Thank you, and Akeem, again, thank you for sharing your experiences and, mm -hmm. and your, um, your walk, your walk in life. Um, I would encourage you to continue to, again, we talked about healing and, and also don't forget about counseling. I mean, that's ongoing, not just yeah. for you, but for all of us, that's everybody. Mm -hmm. so, the other thing too is uh, to be cautious of potential repressed anger. That might yeah. may or may not be there because that could lead to blind spots. And if you're not careful, you don't want to be in a situation where none of us want to be in a situation where we're blind to our own blind spots, right? Yeah. You want to be very aware of uh, the things that are in you, and we all need to be honest with you know what we went through because we all have mm -hmm. our own walks. So uh, I applaud you, man, because the amount of resilience that you have. Somebody used that. I think it was. Uh, Mr. Nita, but the resilience that you have in your walk is phenomenal because a lot of people could not have handled what you handled. So um, I applaud you for that. But definitely 
find those blind spots and and something I've, I've worked with other young men on is something called emotional intelligence. And some of you may have heard of that before. It's, mm -hmm. it's basically a, a measure of how well we have social skills and interpersonal skills and, and um, empathy for people. And so at, you can always tell the level of someone's emotional intelligence by how they act and react towards other people, right? And so you know, I, I don't have to put somebody down to lift myself up, right? I'm going to naturally do that just by my presence and your presence or however we act. So I would encourage you to strive to have a high emotional intelligence. Um, and there's a thing out there called um, the intelligence quote quotient. I think you've, you've heard this before, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's very powerful. I mean, so I, I would definitely, again, seek to have that healing and, and dig deep and some of the things that you've been through and get the answer that you need for self and, and really strive to have that high uh, emotional quotient because mm -hmm. uh, you're, you are going through life. I heard you mention I was the only child a lot, even though you have a younger and then you have someone that's huge. Yeah. That's huge because that that's in your psyche. And I, I felt that way as the youngest, my oldest brother was, was six years older than me, but there was a period where it was just me. So mm -hmm. I get it. Um, so, but I, I would definitely uh, encourage you to do that. And the amount of resilience that you have, the amount of goal setting that you have, um, uh, that that's great, but don't try to take on too many other roles either. That's a valiant effort that you're doing, but don't spread yourself too thin because there's only so much you can do before you break. Yeah. Right. And you know, you never want that. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I would encourage you to stay strong and keep, keep seeking out the counseling that you need and the advice. You've got my number. You know how to get a hold of me. We've had talks. Before. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> keep doing your thing, man. You graduate soon, right? He graduated already. He's about to he graduate. Well, okay, congratulations. Uh, I thought you had one more class. Yeah. Go ahead, Akeem. Oh, no. So luckily enough, um, Emery accepted me without the class. So I go into the master's program starting in June, and I have two more years of that. Oh man, congratulations, I missed that, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, we'll be in touch, all right. Mm -hmm. That's it, I'll open it up for anybody else, Miss Leslie. Oh no, it's eight o'clock, so it's time to close out in prayer. Okay. I'm flu, see that, Mr. Hakeem? <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody, let's bow our heads again. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, Mr. Hakeem, and such a blessing that he is, and the things that he shared, hoping that uh, we will take not just his life lessons, the things he shared uh, and prayer for him, but we take it uh, internally with each other. God, I'm sure there are a lot, there's a lot that we can apply. And I ask that you will uh, cleanse him, make him strong and help us all to continue to learn from what he shared and uh, help us to help each other. So we love you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We have another young man. We're doing men all this week. So we have another one on tomorrow. So join us again tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Nice. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Take care, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Dr. Leslie Inspires. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Also, for more content and resources, please be sure to visit our website, www.drlesleyinspires.com. We'll see you in the next episode.